Welcome to Heads Up on Money, the heads up you need to make better financial choices. Hi, money nerds, and welcome to another episode of Heads Up on Money. Today's episode, tackling your finances as a couple. Part one, those who plan together, stay together. Hi Money Nerds and welcome to another episode of your new favourite podcast. Unconventional take on personal finance. There's no BS here, there's no jargon, I'm just going to tell you what you need to know. And coming up today, we're tackling a subject that I think warrants a few episodes on it. So we're talking about how do you run your finances if you're a couple I think there's a lot of points here that I can get into. It depends what sort of couple you are. And I'm talking here if you are a married couple, if you're in a civil partnership, there are different rules and breaks available to you compared with cohabitees who may live together for all intents and purposes are married, but in the eyes of the law, they are not married. So we're going to get into that in a future episode, talking about some of the more key financial areas to be aware of if you're in either of those situations. But I think to start off, I really wanted to set some context and just to share what I see when I work with clients in terms of their planning as a couple. And I did say at the start there that couples who financially plan together stay together and it was a bit tongue-in-cheek admittedly but I really do believe in this that the greater outcomes for your finances do come from sharing information and working collectively as a team when it comes to your financial planning. So that's what today's episode is going to be all about and just before we get into it If there are some other things you want me to cover in future episodes of the podcast, please do reach out to me. I would love to hear if there's been any suggestions. I've had a few in the last week and I really do appreciate people sending them to me, so I will get round to it as soon as I can. We do have a fairly packed agenda of future episodes coming up, but I will cover all suggestions because at the end of the day, if these queries matter to you, then that is what I will address in the podcast. And the chances are, as it often is with your finances, you feel like you've got a silly question of your own and it's probably one that everyone else knows the answer to. Well, reality is they probably don't. If you don't know it, most people probably don't know it. So do pass them on to me and I'll address them in future episodes of the show. Before we get stuck into today's episode, quick call out. If you're enjoying the podcast, do rate and review. And if you subscribe, then you'll get new episodes delivered to your favourite podcast streaming app every week as they're released. So thanks, Money Nerds. Let's get stuck into today's one. It's going to be a fun one. So managing your finances as a couple. Where can we start with this? Well, I thought I'd draw upon some of my experiences in the day job as a financial planner. So I've dealt with clients at varying ends of the spectrum. One end, we're talking about clients who are really regimented and like to keep their affairs completely separate. Now, it's more common, I see this perhaps in non-married couples, cohabitees, as they are called in legal terms, 
although as we'll cover in a future episode, you have very few privileges available to you as cohabitees. But typically in those situations where there's not that legally binding agreement of marriage, it's more common the couple will have their own views on investments, they'll have their own risk approaches, they'll have their own pots that they manage, they may have segregated debt that they're both accountable for, you know, separate properties. Whatever the situation might be, it's far more common in situations with cohabitees that you see individual who prefers to manage their own finances and don't look at things holistically as a couple. But having said that, I have also worked with married couples and even then it can be the case that they tend to view things separately and they say, oh, look Benjamin, I've got my ISA here, but my partner, they've got their ISA, I don't really know what they're invested in, but let's leave that for now. Or it might be you know, I sit down with, with a couple and typically it's it's only one of them who might come to the meeting and they're making decisions on behalf of the mother member of the couple. Um, so that in itself is not something I really advise or would encourage because it just leads to a bit of separation and obviously the obvious thing there is that one part of the membership is left out of key discussions. And I've even seen some situations where respective members of the couple have their own financial advisor or they manage their own finances themselves and they just don't talk about finance. It's a taboo subject. And as we'll see in the podcast, this is something I really want you to change your mindset because especially if you're a married couple, you're working towards the same end goals. Now, obviously that's applicable if you're cohabitees, you may not be getting married for a number of reasons. But when it comes to couples, it's a total false economy to have this view that what's mine is mine and what yours is yours because, as we'll see in a future episode, it all comes out in the wash anyway when you're married. But even from a health relationship perspective, talking about money at the forefront of discussions is really healthy. It's healthy for you, it's healthy for your partner and it allows you basically to reduce your apprehensions, reservations you have around with money and financially it's more beneficial for you both to be working off the same financial life plan. Now that's great I hear you say but the commonality is that when I work with a couple there will typically be one individual in the couple who is the more financially literate, the more financially astute. They may be the greater money nerd out of the two of you. Um, Of course, now that you're listening to this podcast on a regular basis, we're in episode 20 now, you're bound to be getting your knowledge up around personal finances. But that said, there's typically one member of the partnership who will typically take the lead because they are the more financially capable, they maybe keep up with financial news more. And as a result, they take the lead on decisions and the other member of the couple takes a back seat approach. They become pretty disengaged and they just leave it all to their spouse or partner. But the end goal as a couple here is to get you to financial utopia. A place where money is not a taboo subject and you're both fully aware of what the plan is and where you're working towards. And there will be great advantages both in an emotional and financial sense in doing that. So let's reflect first of all on what are the dangers of not addressing your finances as a couple? Well, let's paint a few different scenarios. Well, what if the other member of the couple was to be in for a nasty surprise in the future? For example, let's say the lead 
financial nerd in the partnership makes the key decisions around the investments they're going to hold, what level of risk approach they're going to take, when perhaps children might need money in the future, what you're saving towards, when your notional retirement age might be. They're making these decisions alone. Now, what happens when the person is in the dark and then come into the mix later for some reason? Let's say the partner, the lead partner, sorry, passes away or there's a divorce. Suddenly, when the silent partner, let's call them that, is brought to the fore, they're in for a nasty surprise and that can cause major rifts in a relationship. And it can lead to a lot of resentment between the two members of the couple. It's difficult for the lead partner because they're shouldering all of the burden, they're taking on all the responsibility, they start to resent the quiet, silent partner in the membership, and there's obviously resentment for the silent partner because there's the benefit of hindsight, and if something doesn't go to plan, you can always say, I wouldn't have done that, I would have done things differently, but you didn't, you took a back seat. So there's real risks on both sides of the partnership from addressing your finances in this way. But without doubt, the biggest risk, of course, is what happens if the more financially astute member of the couple was to die? Let's just be blatant there. Let's not cushion this. But if something was to happen to them tomorrow, and you should be asking yourself this question, if my spouse was to die tomorrow, would I know what's going on with the family finances? Do I know where our investments are? Do I know what we're invested in? Do I know how to get this money? If the answer to any of these things is no, then that seems to suggest that in your relationship you are the silent partner. And if you are listening to this as the lead partner thinking, my partner doesn't know half of this stuff, then you are the lead partner and you're just as guilty. But you know, having listened to the podcast for a few weeks now, In financial planning, there's a lot of exciting things you can do, but a lot of it comes down to disaster planning and saying, what if something really bad was to happen? And in this situation, it can cause real headaches and stress for the silent partner. And this isn't just a textbook example of risk, it's it's situations that I have seen as a financial planner. Sadly, one half of the couple passed away, and they had a life policy that was due to pay out on the death of that individual. Now, the trouble was that they didn't set up the life policy in the way that you should do. Can't get into that today because obviously that's touching upon the area of financial advice and it's variable depending upon your situation. But they didn't set things up in the best possible way. And what it meant was that the spouse didn't really know this policy existed And the proceeds were incredibly difficult to get their hands on, which meant that there was a lot of financial stress in the family at a time of massive emotional stress. And what you want when the proverbial hits the fan is to be dealing with the emotional side of things without any further stress coming in from the finances. You want to know exactly where you stand. And you would want that for your surviving partner. It's not nice to be thinking about these things, I get it, but there's a certain peace of mind that comes with knowing that if anything was to happen to you, then your surviving partner would know exactly where to turn to. It's the kind of thing that you can just do, you set it and you forget it. You don't need to be worrying about this on an ongoing basis. It's the peace of mind from just sitting down one afternoon as a couple and just nailing this stuff down. 
So looking at the experiences I've had in dealing with couples and their financial planning, what kind of things can you be taking into your own situation? So tip number one is just to get everything on the table. Don't have financial secrets. Be open, be communicative with one another. You know, what if one of you was saving diligently into a stocks and shares ISA and the great companies of the world over the long term, exposing yourself to equity returns? They were doing all the great things that I harp on about in every episode. I get it. Um, But what if the other part of the membership, they had credit card debt that they were struggling to pay off every month and they were apprehensive about it, didn't want to voice this in the couple. That's an example where if you look at things holistically as a partnership, you should be paying off that bad debt before you're investing. Well, the person who's doing the good things on the left, let's say, it's a false economy because it's all being detracted from the negativity on the right. So get things out in the open. That's the best thing you can do. It's great for the relationship and it's great financially. I'm not a relationship counsellor, so I can't comment too much on the former, but financially, it is so much more advantageous to be talking about these things and not having money as a taboo subject. And you'll laugh at me for saying this, but I've even heard of situations where couples go on money dates. Yep, that is a thing where you set a time in the diary, maybe once a quarter or once every half a year, and you just review this stuff. You know, you maybe go out for a cup of coffee or lunch and you just talk about your finances. And that's what I'm saying. It doesn't need to be this ongoing cloud hanging over you. It can just be something you diarise for an hour, hash it out for an hour and just get these things on the table and you'll feel so much better as a result. Financial planning and good financial planning is all about getting peace of mind. That's all we all really want with our money. So give it a go, let me know how you get on, set some time in the diary and just have a money date with your other half. You'll probably find out things about your partner that you didn't know, some of their apprehensions or their reservations about money, salary increases they might have that's coming up, things you should be thinking about in terms of property moves, if children come along, what are you doing for investing for them? These are things that don't come up in typical day-to-day life. Life happens and these things are way, way down the priority list. But if you can set some designated time to address them, then you can address them and then forget about them. And don't be embarrassed if you are the less financially savvy member of the couple. Explain your reservations, tell the other one what's on your mind. Chances are they might know the answer. And if they don't, then you can realise it's a shared common worry and you can address it professionally. Speak to a professional about this if you are worried. The second reason why it's good to be doing things like this is it keeps you accountable to one another. If you've got a financial plan in place and you're both aware of what it is and what you need to do in that financial plan to succeed and to achieve all the life goals you want to achieve, keep one another accountable. That's really why financial advisors exist primarily is to keep you accountable, keep you accountable to a plan. It's not picking funds or investing in the stock market because that is all just waffle to be honest with you nobody knows which way the stock market's going to go the real value a financial advisor brings is keeping you to the plan and holding your hand and cushioning any erratic behaviors you have well whether you work with a financial planner or if you just do this as a couple in private then you keep one another accountable and it's a lot easier to stick to the plan if you're doing this. If you're just doing things on your own, 
it's very easy just to switch off a regular contribution each month and say, okay, I'll address that in a few months' time, or I know I need to get income protection insurance, but I'm not going to do it right now because things are a bit tight. Well, if this is addressed as a couple, you can challenge one another, and that's why I'm saying it's a lot better financially for your life plan, for your financial life plan, if you do address things and plan together as a couple. Another tip that I would give you is to have a financial mind map in place. Now, what I'm talking about here is a blueprint, effectively, of all of your financial policies, your bank accounts, the reference numbers, who are they with, how much have you got invested with them, how do you access these, where is the passwords for that saved... It's all about this disaster planning, people, is that in the event that you're not here, wouldn't you rather your spouse has a full picture in terms of how does the family financial picture look? It can be really difficult to lose track of all of the investments or little savings pots you might have or pensions you've amalgamated over the working career. Getting all of this down into one coherent money mind map is worth its weight in gold. It's great if the proverbial ever hits the fan and you're no longer here. It really helps out your partner. But it's also great just to summarise everything and to visualise it and see everything. And it really helps articulate your goals and it can let you see where are we. Let's take stock and then you can refine where you're going. So that would be my main tip for you to take from this week's episode is get a mind map in place. It doesn't need to be complicated, it's just basically summarising, okay, here is us, as a couple, here are our bank accounts, here are our pensions, this is the reference accounts for these pensions, which provider are they held with, when do the pensions start, and it needn't take long, it doesn't have to be complicated, but it's going to be so worth it, I promise you. And obviously I am not on cloud cuckoo land. I do realise that this is not the most exciting thing to be discussing with your partner. Turn around to them and say, okay, can we forgo maybe the cinema date this month and instead let's have a pension catch up. I get it. It's not exciting. But it's really, really important that you address these things. The peace of mind you get alone is priceless. And like I said at the start, Couples who financially plan together, stay together. So there we have it, money nerds. That was just a bit of a context and introduction to the topic of financial planning as a couple. So we've talked more about the kind of emotive side of things today... I was going to get into the details in this episode around the financial side of things and why this is beneficial for you to address finances jointly rather than individually. But I think we're going to get into that in the next episode. I'm going to carry that over because I don't want to get too much into the details today because there's a lot I can say on that. But as you'll see in future episodes, there are financial aspects to be considering here. And in the next episode, I'm going to talk about financial planning specifically for married couples and some of the tax breaks, the investment breaks you have available to you. And you'll see that compared with cohabitees, married couples really get a great deal. There are lots of reliefs available to you that cohabitees don't get. So naturally, the episode after that, I'm going to talk about the risks of a cohabitee couple 
and really why you don't get the offers that married couples do. And I've worked with cohabitees in the past and bringing these risks to the table is very, very sensible. So that's the direction of travel here. Today was just the background. Today was just the context. Go on your money date. Let me know how you get on and we'll cover off some of the more financial details in future episodes. So all that's left for me to say is if you've enjoyed today's episode, share it with your partner. Start things as you mean to go on. As for me, I'm about to go and cancel Hannah and I's date this Friday at the cinema. Instead, we're going to go out for lunch and we're going to talk lifetime ISAs and life insurance. She doesn't know this yet, so wish me luck, money nerds. I'll see you in the next episode. Goodbye.